0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, August the 6th, 2022. It is currently 8.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now I have a pretty straightforward question for you. When it comes to Christianity, is Christianity to be defined by something other than ourselves, or is Christianity defined by what we want it to be? When it comes to Christianity, should Christianity be defined? by something other than ourselves that you and I your church my church we don't get to we don't get to define what christianity is what it looks like what we do what we can't do we have no say so in what christianity is and what it looks like and what is happening within it it's out it's beyond us or is christianity defined by you, by me, by your church, by, by other churches. Who really gets to define this is Christianity? Now I know in theory, Most of you will say, theoretically, the Word of God. That defines Christianity. Christianity is defined by the Bible, by the Bible alone. It's what it says. It's not what I say. It's not what you say. It's what the Word of God says. And that sounds so good, right? If you say that from the pulpit, people will say, amen. Depending on the church, they may even applaud. They may say, that is so true. The Word of God defines Christianity but anyone who's honest anyone who's even who even attempts to be honest with the history of christianity you'll notice something christianity is always well changing in certain ways the church looks different in one decade than it did the previous decade. Certain things that the church wouldn't do, now it does. The, the things the church maybe at large rejected, now it accepts. The church is always undergoing changes because the church is constantly being influenced by other, by things other than the word of God. It's being influenced by culture. Now, church may try to fight culture and and condemn culture, but sooner or later, culture enters into the church. It comes right through the front door in the shape of, well, church members, because church members are influenced by the culture and they bring that influence into the church. So little by little, the church is being influenced by culture. It's also being influenced influenced by personalities. If certain people gain a level of celebrity and fame and popularity, that brings power and they, they can influence the church and what it looks like and the direction it goes for 5, 10, 15 years into the future, depending on how influential they are. You, you can see their influence in, in many different ways. So we have culture, we have personality, and then we have individuality. Okay. We have the culture, we have personality, the cult of personality. Those who become the, the next big name in Christianity, they can influence what, what Christianity looks like and how we understand it and how it's defined. And then you have individuality because you have individual members. It, Christianity. It's constantly being redefined and reshaped by what individuals want Christianity to be and what they want it to look like. So you've got culture, you've got personality, and you've got individuality. All of these forces are always constantly shaping Christianity. I got a piece of paper. It's always, it's, it's always shaping it and folding it. And, and it's all, it's always doing something. So Christianity is always changing a little bit. Now, sometimes the changes may seem subtle. Sometimes they may seem gigantic, but they're always happening. And we need to be paying attention because what is happening right now in front of us, we need to have a very good understanding of the present because that will give us a very good understanding of the future. And what is the church going to look like moving forward? When you think about what Christianity, what the church is going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, and I'm using the words interchangeably church and Christianity. Because I talked about who gets to define Christianity. Is it something other than us or or is it us? Well, the reality is we, we may say it, it's got to be the word of God that defines it. But the reality is we have these other forces. We have culture, we have personality, and we have individuality that is shaping the church, shaping Christianity, defining it. And that's why Christianity is always, in a sense, undergoing these changes it's always looking a little different, sounding a little different, preaching a little different, teaching a little different, believing a little different. Now you may say, well, there's certain aspects that always remain. I'm not denying that, but they there there's always these changes occurring. It, it's just it's just the way it is. You cannot deny that. It's always happening. And so we have to pay attention to the present so that we can get an idea where the church is headed in the future. And I can tell you one direction the church is headed in the future. And it's a church. It's a Christianity that's slowly but surely going to become more and more dominated, not by male leadership, but by female leadership. More and more churches are going to be led by women pastors more and more denominations ministries are going to be led by a female authority structure you say no absolutely not i'm telling you that's where things are headed you can deny it but that's where it's going and what to look for is not what the leadership is saying in the current form of Christianity. Now, this is very important. Sometimes what we listen to is what are the current leaders saying? What are the current leaders? Who, who are the evangelical leaders, the, the reform leaders? No, no, no. Don't listen to the leaders. You've got to listen to what people are thinking in the pew. As the pew is, the church will be. The current state of the pew will determine the future state of the pulpit, because ultimately it's the people in the pew that determine the direction of the church. Pastors may fight it. They may stand against it. They may try to resist it. But sooner or later, what the people in the pew want, they will get. They will fire. They will remove. They will split. They will go start another church. Sooner or later, the people in the pew always get what they want. That's the individuality part of the influence upon the church and Christianity. Now, why am I bringing all of this up? Because about 35 minutes ago, I was sitting right here in the Theology Central Studios. Okay, the second story bedroom here in my home. Okay, but the Theology Central Studios, I was sitting here at the broadcast desk. The microphone was pushed forward. I I wasn't even planning on going live. And then I see this headline, Assemblies of God. Ordains record number of women, and I'm like, Well, that is interesting. I'm not shocked.' that the Assemblies of God is ordaining a record number of women. As, uh, ordination of women within the Assemblies of God has basically been there since the beginning of the Assemblies of God, all right? So, I mean, that's another, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with the Assemblies of God. I, I, I've said it before, I could never go to an Assemblies of God church. First, because of their teaching that healing is guaranteed in the atonement. All of their charismatic issues, I would reject it. But sp- clearly, because of the ordination of women to ministry, I, I would I would have a problem. So I wasn't shocked by that headline. So you may be thinking, well, then why did you decide to go live? Because there's something mentioned in the article that I think really gives us insight. So let's let's work through this and see if we can find the line that I think is so important. Here we go. This was published yesterday at 8.51 a.m. at ChristianityToday.com. Here's the headline. Assemblies of God ordains record number of women. There is work to do, and some of those God has called to do it are female Pentecostal leaders say. Now remember, who gets to define what Christianity should look like? Who gets to define what the church should be and what it should and shouldn't do? Who gets to define it? We would love to say it's the word of God, but reality, it's culture, it's personality, and it's individuality. That's what's constantly shaping the church and Christianity. You cannot deny that. All right? Now, there may be those who try to say, no, we got to get back to the word of God. We got to get back to the word of God. And so there, I'm not going to say the word of God isn't a part of it. But there's so much of this other thing that constantly shapes the, the ever-changing church. The church is always changing. Christianity is always being redefined in some way, shape, or form. Now, you can say, but no, biblical Christianity will always exist. I'm not denying that. The true church will always exist. I'm not denying that. I'm talking just at large when you see the church or Christianity in general, it's always changing. And it's, it's always changing because of these influences that we that I've already lab- labeled the, the culture, the uh, personality, and the and individuality, all right? So I just want to keep, I'm going to keep restating that over and over and over again. So let, let's listen to the, or listen to the article. Let me read the article to you. All right, here we go. Assemblies of God ordains record number of women. There is work to do, and some of those God has called to do it are female, Pentecostal leaders say. The Assemblies of God has ordained on average More than five women, more than five women per week, every week for the last 14 years. So the Assemblies of God, the Assemblies of God... uh, denomination, the Assemblies of God denomination, has ordained on average more than five women per week every week for the last 14 years, bringing the total number of ordained women in the Pentecostal denomination up to 10,383. Currently, a record 27.6% of Assemblies ministers are women, according to a denominational report. So we're right now, in 2022, 27.6% 27.6% of ministers in the Assemblies of God denomination are women. Now, here's the question. Who came up with that idea? Is that the biblical idea? Is that the biblical model? Is that the model given to us in church history? Or is that, well, who, def- who, who caused these changes to occur? Was it culture? Was it personality? Was it individuality? Now, either they are right, uh, this is very important, this is not just like, well, it's a matter of opinion, no, either they are the biblical ones, and we should all be ordaining women in every denomination, and, and uh, you take the totality of independent churches, about 27% of all of them should have women pastors, either they are right, or they are completely wrong, completely unbiblical and they've abandoned scripture and how they're running their churches and their denomination. It's, uh, it's not, it, this is not just like, well, you can do whatever you want. No. Who gets to define what it is and what it should look like? Let's, let's continue here. All right, because there's still a line in here that I want to get to. The image of God is best reflected when the church of Jesus Christ is healthy, said Crystal Martin, national director of the Denominations Network of Women Ministers, and women are empowered to fulfill their call at every level of church leadership. So according to them, a healthy church is a church where women are empowered to fulfill their call at every level of church leadership. So according to the Assemblies of God, the church is only healthy when women are are involved at every level of church leadership. Now, women have been preaching and teaching in the uh, AG or the Assemblies of God since it was founded in 1914. The church embraced women leadership based on its understanding of New Testament models of ministry and scripture's testimony to the equal outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit. But 30 years ago, only about 300 women were leading AG churches. So 30 years ago, 300 women. In 2022, 10,383 women, currently 27.6% of Assemblies ministries. So in 30 years, there's been a dramatic increase. And that increase is not going to start decreasing it's only going to increase. So the future of the church is going to become more and more women ordained as pastors and it's in leadership roles. And you say, well, that's just the assemblies of God. I'm telling you, it's going to spread in all major denominations. May, may There's going to be more splits coming uh, over this subject. You can just watch and see. You're starting to see a little bit of it within the Southern Baptists. And I'll tell you why it's going to get worse because it's not what's being said behind pulpits. It's what's happening in the pew. We'll get to that in just a minute. Here we go. The trend towards more women minister... Let me read this again. The trend towards more women in ministry started in the late 1990s. Many received support from the Network for Women Ministers, which was founded in 1999 as the Task Force for Women in Ministry. In 2010, the Assemblies of God... Uh, stated its support for women in ministry with a a position paper laying out the biblical argument from a Pentecostal perspective. And please note, they believe it's a biblical perspective. Some young women still find it hard to believe that they could be called to lead a church, though. I sat down with uh, one young woman. This is from the article. And she shared her whole life vision, Martin told a Christianity Today. And I said, it sounds like God's calling you to be a youth pastor. And when I said that she felt uncomfortable, she had never seen a female pastor. According to Pentecostal scholar Joy Qualls, support for women in ministry waned in the late 20th century as Pentecostals interacted with other traditions that looked down on what they saw as disruptions of the natural God-given order. When culture conflicts over gender roles erupted, when cultural conflicts over gender roles erupted in American society, some Pentecostal leaders worried that tradition was lined up on the wrong side. As the movement institutionalized women's influence, leadership roles became increasingly constrained, wrote Qualls, a professor and dean at Biola University. And I quote, The constraints placed on women in Pentecostalism had more to do with the influence of evangelical culture, lack of education in our history, and theology and general discourse than it did with scriptures and theological positions. Today, now this is very important, seven in ten... Self-identified evangelicals say they support women preaching. Now that's what I want you to hear. All right. Now we're, we're going to go to the Southern Baptist in just a minute. Here's within the evangelical world, seven in ten self-identified evangelicals support women preaching. Now that, that's what's happening in the pew. Forget the pulpit, forget the seminary, forget the Bible college, forget the conference where they're like, no, we're going to protect men in ministry. It doesn't matter. If the people in the pew want it, the people in the pew will get it. They will, they will fire leadership that refuses to, to give this to them, or they will start churches or start new denominations. It's, it's, I'm telling you, This is where the church is headed. But let me tell you again that the, well, let me state it clearly. Maybe you've caught on to what I'm trying to say, but let me state it now dogmatically and clearly. This discussion is not so much about women in ministry. This is a discussion about who defines what the church looks like. Who defines Christianity? And over and over and over, church history tells me it's culture. Influences the church, whether we like it or not, it's the case. Personality, those, those next leaders who gain the, the large following, they influence. And then individuality, the people in the pew will determine what the church looks like. They do, they will, and there's very little you can do about it unless you change the hearts and minds of the people sitting in the pew. But let me tell you, the people in the pew are not being influenced by God's word because every statistic that we can find tells us that people sitting in the pew are not studying the Bible. They're not reading the Bible. They're theologically ignorant. They're biblically illiterate. They're not listening to sermons. And so what's going to determine how they think? Culture is going to determine how they think. They're going to be influenced by the culture and they will bring that into the church. That's where we're headed. I guarantee you. That's where we're headed. I just, that's a, that's a fascinating number. Seven in 10 self-identified evangelicals say they support women preaching. Even in complementarian traditions, such as the Southern Baptist Convention, 65%. This is even in the Southern Baptist Convention, compl- which, which are complementarian in their theology and their tradition, 65% say women should be allowed to serve as clergy. 65% within the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, if 65% within the Southern Baptist Convention saying women should be able to serve as clergy, I'm telling you, the battle is over. It is done. It is finished. It's over. It's This is where the church is headed. Maybe not tomorrow, but that's where it's going. And you already see a little bit of the of the struggle happening within the Southern Baptist. You had Rick Warren ordain women to ministry uh, to, to uh, as pastors. What three women, I believe. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And, and I'm telling you it, and right now they're still trying to off, you know, decide what we're going to do. And we, we did a, we did a podcast episode about some of the Southern Baptists now trying to redefine the word pastor to say exactly what it is and who can, who can be that. There's still going to be fights against it, but it doesn't matter what the seminary professors are writing. It doesn't matter what the leaders are writing in some paper or in some article. It's what the people in the pew want. Seven in ten evangelicals say women, they support women preaching and 65% of Southern Baptists say women should be allowed to serve as clergy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the times are a changing. We, we, I'm telling you, we have to pay attention to where we are headed. They go on to say, still, in America today, only about 13.5% of congregations are led by women. And that drops a little less than 2.5% when you look at, uh, white evangelical churches. So at large, now, and within the, within the assemblies of God, it's around 27%, but within the, the, the congregations within the larger you know world of Christianity, only 13.5% of congregations are led by women. Now, I'm telling you, that's where we are in 2022. You see where we are come 2025, 2026. That number is, I'm telling you, it's going to be moving towards 50% at a fast rate of speed. Women lead about 6% of assemblies' churches, a number that has doubled since the 1990s. So we see a number has doubled since the 1990s. And I think it, it, it's gonna double It's gonna, it's gonna more than double. Um, others point to top leadership and denomination driving the change. So it's top leadership and denomination that's driving the change. Maybe so. I think what will drive the change will be that what's happening in the pew. In 2018, the denomination elected the first women to the national leadership team, Donna Bar- uh, Barrett, who became a credentialed minister in 1986, who made uh, who made general secretary. Her election opened the door for more change. If you see a snapshot shot. Of the six executive leaders a few years ago, there were white men who are married and a little bit older, Barrett told Christianity Today. And now when you look at the six of us at the executive leadership team, you have an African-American, a Hispanic, a female who's single. We're a little bit more diverse, and that gives a picture of other ministers and parishioners of the denominations, and there's a place for everyone. According to Barrett, the assembly's affirmation of women in ministry is deeply rooted in the denomination's commitment to evangelism. They believe the harvest is plentiful and eager to see the gospel preached everywhere. All right. And then uh, let's see if they have anything. They don't really have anything else here of significance. What caught my attention with the article is the seven and 10 basically self-professed evangelicals. Hey, we support women. 65% of Southern Baptists, we support women being pastors. Well, you already got multiple denominations who already ordain women. You already have multiple denominations that already ordain women. You have uh, independent churches who already have women preaching or teaching in some capacity. You already have that happening in many independent churches. You've got just a few denominations who may be still holding out and pushing back. But if more and more people sitting in the pew are not only accepting of it, Maybe even wanting it, then that's what we're going to be looking at in the future. Now, some people are going to get so they're going to get all caught up on, well, women pastors. This is not about women pastors. What I'm trying to discuss is this. This demonstrates the the very dangerous situation that always exists within Christendom, within the church. And that is, it's always bound to change and be redefined by these external sources, right? External and internal culture which comes through the church, through the individuals, right? Personality, whoever the next big Christian superstar is, the next big super, you know, celebrity, they have a great influence on what the church will or will not do and what it will look like and how Christianity will be understood. And then the individuals. You say, so then how do we fight it? Well, fighting culture is, I I never, I mean, you can't do all, you're not going to change culture. Culture is going to be what culture is. So you can't, change culture by just yelling at it, condemning it, screaming at it. that. That doesn't do much personality. Well, there's not a lot. You can, you can try to fight the next great Christian celebrity, but usually fighting that is of no value because as soon as you go after the next Christian celebrity, everybody just gets mad at you. Here's what we have to focus on. We really can't change culture really. Can't, and, and We can talk all day about the Christian celebrity culture, but we're never not going to stop the Christian celebrity culture because Christians don't want it to stop. Christians are still willing to pay $50, $100, whatever it is to get inside a building to hear some celebrity preach the word of God. As long as people are willing to give people money to get into a building to hear the word of God preached and they don't see a problem, the celebrity culture is never going away. So here's what we can do. What we have to get, we have to focus on the individuals sitting in the pew Getting them back into actually studying God's word, teaching them doctrine, theology, and church history so that they can be theologically and biblically equipped to realize that maybe some of their ideas and their wants are not biblical. We got to get the people in the pew to realize you don't get to define Christianity. You don't get to define the church. You in the pew, you don't get to do that. That's not your job. Your job is to open up the word of God and go, what does God say the church should look like? What does God say should be the one preaching your teaching? What does God say? And then we surrender to that. We don't get to redefine it and change it because it's not Burger King. It's not our way right away. It's God's way. And our job is we have to focus on the people in the pew. It's not even about fighting denominations. It's about eat, finding individuals saying, "Hey, here's what the Bible seems to say about pastors and church leadership, and here's here's what." So, where are you getting your ideas from? And it's more, and it's not even about just necessarily fighting about these issues. It's more about just trying to get the people in the pew to actually read and study the Bible on a regular and consistent basis. Biblical illiteracy is the is the problem. Biblical illiteracy is, look, biblical illiteracy is the soil in which new definitions of Christianity and the church are planted. Biblical illiteracy is the soil which someone can come along and say, no, here's what Christianity should look like. Here's what the church, you can place anything in that soil because it's Biblical illiteracy is the soil that's just ready and fertile for anything to be planted into it, and it will grow. But if that, fo- if that soil is, is, in a sense, protected by biblical philological knowledge, then you can't just plant any crazy idea. But that's where the church is as we speak. And that gives us a sign of where it is going. Who gets to define it? Who gets to say what it looks like? In in theory, we say the word of God. In practice, it's culture. It's the influence of culture. It's personality and it's individuality. And we see that in that article. I mean, what, seven out of 10 evangelicals, 65% of Southern Baptists. Yeah, things are changing. And I'm telling you, that's, the, that's one of the, you want to say, where is the church headed? It's going to be female-led, female-dominated, female leadership. That's where the church is headed. And in some cases, I hate to say this, And I know I'm going to offend some men, but for some of the men, it's your own fault. I hate to say it. I, 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 my whole Christian life. It's what I've always seen. It's the men who don't want to read, who don't want to study. Not, no, no, men who call to ministry, they will read and study. But I'm talking the average man who just sits in the pew. Oh, they will argue about everything, right? But they're not going to actually do any meaningful study. They're not the ones carrying the notebooks, doing the reading, doing the study. Now, if they're called to ministry, they will. But I'm talking the average man. But you look in many churches, the average woman sitting in the pew, they seem to have the notebook. They're doing the Bible studies. They're, they're learning Bible studies. Study methods. They're reading books. They're, they're talking doctrine, theology. In fact, in many cases, I've said, if I want to have a theological discussion, I'm going to look for the women in my church. I'm not going to look for the men because sadly to say it's sometimes it feels like it's the women who seem to be more engaged in the reading and the study. And I know when I say this, men get offended, but don't get offended. Just prove me wrong. Do the reading, do the studying, be involved, have a theological conversation for crying out loud, listen to sermons, do something. But in my history, it's women who can sit there and have, they can talk doctrine, theology. They're the ones doing the Bible study. They're the ones, and it's the men you're like, all the men ever want to do is seem to disagree. They don't actually want to study. Now, I'm not saying that in every single case. I'm just saying that I have seen that too many times in my Christian life. Again, the person who discipled me was a woman. I wasn't going to go to any of the men in the church for crying out loud. That would have been a waste of absolute time. I've talked about before. Church fellowships, if I want to have a theological discussion, I'm going to go find the women because the men in many cases, no, they're not having that. Now, if there's a group of men who feel called to ministry, they're always the exception, right? And that's awesome. But uh, it should be the average man who doesn't feel called to ministry, who still should be like, I care about God's word and I read and I study and I want to talk doctrine and I want to talk theology and I want to do Bible study. No, 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 no. It's the men are like, I'm not doing a Bible study method. Nope going to do whatever i want. Okay, well, there there you go. So where is the women? Oh, there's the women. Okay. The women are doing the Bible study. Of course. Now, i know that you should say that's that's jaded, but i think there there i think there's something to that fact. And the fact that that's the case, well then You could see why you you just lead to more and more women kind of stepping up going, well, then we'll, hey, the men aren't going to do it. We'll take care of the situation. And you look at church attendance, and in many cases, the men are not showing up for church, but the women are. I mean... We're going in, the, we're going in a, 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 a direction, but but it really isn't, again, it's not even about that as much as it's about who gets to define what it's going to look like. All right, I'll stop there. You can give me your feedback on all of this, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I definitely would like to get your thoughts on, on this, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. You can find that article at Christianity Today. The article that we referenced here, it is called Assemblies of God Ordains Record Number of Women. I'm not worried about what the Assemblies of God are doing because they've been doing this forever. It's the the, the, the statistics there about the self-identified evangelicals and the Southern Baptists. That's what made me stop and go, whoa, wait a minute. We've got, we've got something happening within the pew, and that's going to determine the future of the pulpit. Always has, always will. All right, newsif at yahoo.com. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening, and uh, thanks for listening. God bless.